with all of the activities of this service today, perhaps you've looked at the time and you are nervous that this is going to go on for a long time. I am too. Uh, No, I don't plan to be long uh, this morning, but I'm thankful for this service. Thank you, uh, choir. Thank you, Brother Kelly, for all your work, and Mrs. Rogers playing the piano. Thank you, uh, Mrs. Gilbert, and all the children that were involved. And uh, it's always a joy to be here at Faith Baptist. And uh, this month, uh, this is the second time I've gotten to preach this month. And the next time that I know that I'm preaching is uh, three Sundays from now in Pennsylvania. We'll start a Sunday through Friday revival meeting. So this is kind of a downtime for us, and we're thankful for that as well. But uh, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to preach this morning. We're in Luke chapter 2, and uh, the children went through this verse, but uh, Luke chapter 2, and look at verse number 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for enduring the cross, enduring all the agonies that you went through so that we might be saved. Lord, thank you for the resurrection of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to us, not just in salvation, but Lord, so many blessings that you have poured out to us. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for these dear folks that made it a priority to be here this morning. And Lord, as we've opened up your word, I pray that once again you would open up our hearts and that you would speak to each one of us very specifically. Lord, would you draw us nearer to you by us being here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that if there's any here that does not know thee as Savior, that you would show them their desperate need for Christ and that they would come to that saving knowledge of thee this day. Lord, may you be exalted, may you be glorified with all that is said and done. We pray in Christ's name, amen. I love this Christmas time, and uh, perhaps you have some traditions that you go through in your family. Uh, when Megan and I got married our very first Christmas, we were sent a care package from the Gilberts. And inside that care package were these two Christmas ornaments. Uh, there were these two doves. And uh, Mrs. Gilbert wrote a Uh, a letter to us explaining that the doves, once when they mate, they're mates for life. And so she was encouraging us that, you know, be faithful uh, all the way to the end. You're in it for life. And then uh, she talked about how a tradition that every year she gets an ornament that kind of describes the year or maybe a highlight of the year. And so our very first Christmas tree, we put these two doves on that tree. And and every year we've done that same thing with uh, having a themed ornament. And uh, the older that we get, I think the bigger the tree we're going to have to have. Uh, as now we've got several ornaments. But I, I think I look, and when we look at the tree, now we see somewhat the history and the blessings of God. Uh, how God's worked in our life each year. But these uh, doves also represent peace. And peace is something that uh, people want to have. This world wants to have peace. We want to have peace in our own lives. And I believe that, that it, uh, all through the centuries we've had uh, the doves have represented peace, but I believe it started with Noah and the ark when, uh, when the dove came with that olive branch to show them that God's judgment was done. Now they can move forward. Now they can live this new life. And so uh, this morning I want to speak on the matter of peace. Are you at peace? We look here in verse number 13 
that, you know, as we saw there with the children, first there was the angel, now there is the multitude of angels, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Uh, some might think, well, you know, they didn't sing. Well, it didn't say that it, they sang there, but they said, and, but it could imply a chant. It could imply a song. We don't know what the music was like. Uh, there are some words that are given to us, I think of Revelation 15, tell us of a song that we're going to sing in heaven. It gives us the text, but I don't know what the music's going to be like, but what a wonderful thing it's going to be when we sing those songs of praises to the Lord. And here they're praising God, and what is it that they're, that they're saying? It says, glory to God. What a great verse. What a great way to start it off. Glory to God. God is worthy of all glory. He's worthy of all praise. You see, everything good in our life is from God. James chapter 1 Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, James 1.18. Every good gift, every perfect gift that you've ever been given is from God. My dad likes to say, Tim, you are a good gift to Megan, but Megan's a perfect gift to you. Uh, and so I'm thankful for God's gift. God has given us so many blessings. He's the one that gives you the strength to get up in the morning, to go to work, to, to earn the, the, the paycheck. He's the one that gives you the breath to breathe and the ability to think and comprehend. He's, he is uh, uh, our, our strength. He's our heartbeat. Someone said, uh, uh, we're one heartbeat away from eternity. Just one heartbeat. If God, did, God didn't have to, uh, to stop your heartbeat, he could just stop giving it to you. You were one heartbeat away. God continues to give us life. There are others who have gone on before us. I have a friend, uh, one of my roommates, my dorm mates in college, uh, uh, last month he was uh, on vacation with his family and came back and was feeling very sick and went to the hospital. It turned out he had leukemia. And they caught it too late, and within a week he was gone. Now he knew Jesus Christ as Savior. He's in heaven with him, with him now. But here is a man about my age that has several children. Now his race is over, but we're still here. We're, there's, there's others who have gone on before us, but there's still time for us to make an impact for eternity. Glory to God. He's worthy of all glory. And then it says, in the highest. He's worthy of all glory above and beyond anybody or anything else. I love the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, where he talks about that Christ is better than Moses. That's a big deal to Jews, <laughs> the Jewish people. Christ is better than the prophets. He says Christ is better than the angels. Christ is better than anyone else. He is exalted above all. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Those that mock God today someday will bow the knee to him. He is the God that is, glory, that is worthy of all glory and the highest. And then it says, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You say, well, I don't see peace in this world. Well, we're not going to see peace in this world until, the, the, until Christ comes and reigns. Uh, there's not going to be peace because of sin. Because of wickedness. Now what is he talking about? He's talking about that we can have peace with God. We can have peace with God and we can have the peace of God. Here on this earth. So we look here at the peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, in verse number 1, it says, I've lost my verse. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to turn to it since I don't have it on my paper. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Here we can have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? There are those that desire to have peace. There was a Stoic philosopher that said in the 8100, he says, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give the peace of heart for which man yearns more than for even for outward peace. Yes, we want peace in, in our state. We want peace in our country. But even more yearning than that, people just want peace individually in their heart uh, with all that is going on in our, in our world today. Elon Musk said people look better, look like they have a better life than they really do. He talked about how they post pictures on Facebook acting like they're all happy, but they're really not. We live this kind of facade, and, and maybe on the outside everything looks great and grand, but on the inside there is a deep hole, there's a, a deep emptiness in our heart. What is that emptiness? What is that hole? It's a longing for God. God's the only one that can truly give peace. Actor Jim Carrey said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that is not the answer. Wow. He hasn't found the answer. He's miserable trying to find the answer. Those of us who know Christ as our Savior, we know the answer. It's Jesus Christ. And yet, what does the world say to us? What does the world, the flesh, and the devil say to us? Oh, pursue your own happiness. Then you'll have peace. Get rich. Get famous. That's where everything's at. That's where you'll have peace and contentment. But here, a man, Jim Carrey, that says, no, that's not the answer. And again, on the outside, people may, may, may look like they have a great life, but on the inside, they're dying. They don't have the peace that passes all understanding. Some people think, well, if we can just silence the Christians, if we can just have them stop preaching against our sin, then maybe we'll have peace. We won't have the conviction that our sin is wrong or that there is a God, that our sin is against God. I can imagine those that, uh, with Noah and the ark and Noah's preaching on righteousness and, and his righteousness is a, is a rebuke to their uh, corruption. One of the amazing things that we got to do this year was to go to the ark there in Kentucky where they have a life-size replica. And you see how huge and massive it is. One of the things that we noticed, as Megan noticed, was that there was so much room in there that more people could have fit in there. It didn't just have to be Noah's family. It could have had more. But here are those that I can imagine, they're, they're mocking Noah, saying, Noah, why are you building this stupid boat? Uh, why are you building this? There's no water around here. And they probably mocked him all those hundred plus years of him building the ark. And he preached that righteousness. And, and, they, and maybe when finally his family gets into the ark, they think, whew, we're done with him. We don't have to deal with Noah anymore. We don't have to deal with that conviction of sin anymore. Now we can live the way we want to live. We can do what we want to do with, with no conviction. We can be at peace. Then the rain started. They didn't realize judgment was coming. And they were in a serious, dire situation. And I can imagine them going to the ark and pounding on the door, beating on the door, screaming and yelling as, as they're about to lose their life and, and saying, Noah, open the door. Noah, open the door. But Noah didn't shut the door. 
God shut the door. And here we are at this this time in our life, and and there are those that have sought to preach righteousness to you. But at some point, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's going to shut the door on you. You don't know when the last day is going to be. James 4, 14, uh, for what is your life? A tremendous question. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. He says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8, 36. They thought they were done with Noah, but then when judgment came, they wanted him. But it was too late. There are those in this world, they think, oh, we're done with Christ. I don't have to deal with him anymore. But they have not even begun to deal with him yet. They will see him again at the great white throne of judgment, where, he will, where they will be cast into the lake of fire with all of its torments for all eternity. Why? Because they rejected Jesus Christ. Oh, it's our sin that causes the loss of peace. There is a peace that can come to your heart that is better than any temporal peace the world can give, and that is through Christ. John 14, 27, peace I leave you, leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Oh, there's a peace that passes all understanding. Those in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were there and they were, had such peace with God until sin came. Eve takes the fruit as Genesis chapter 3 Verse number six, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and it treated the desire to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Now Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Adam knew it was sin against God. He knew that he was transgressing against God's commandment and he still went and partook of that fruit. And when that happened, it says that their eyes were open. Oh, there was tremendous peace, right? Oh, no. Sin doesn't bring that that, that peace. No, uh, they were afraid. They they realized they were naked and they made clothes and, and they were afraid. They tried to flee from the presence of God. They didn't have peace with God. And so God sent His Son, as Genesis 3.15 was promised of Christ coming so that he would put enmity between the devil and, and, uh, and, then, and uh, that he would bring this Messiah, this lamb that was going to be slain before the foundations of the world so that you and I can have forgiveness of sins. Romans 5.10 says, For with, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus Christ came to this earth to pay your sin debt. Now sin always must be punished. The punishment of sin is death. Death simply means separation. And when we sin against God, we have now separated from God. Adam and Eve were now separated from the Garden of Eden. They were separated from the presence of the Lord when they sinned against God. You and I, we are separated from God because of sin. But the sin is the separation, but sin is also the punishment of death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and the unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire of brimstone, which is a second death. Everyone is condemned already, as John 3.18 tells us. You say, what do I need to do to go to hell? Nothing. You're condemned already. You're already heading that way. But God does not want you to go to hell. And so He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, to pay that sin debt. 
And oh, what a debt, oh, what a price it was that he paid as he came and lived this perfect, sinless life. The sacrifices of the Old Testament of the lambs that were slain, the innocent lamb that was slain for our for sins of the past. Now we've got the Lamb of God, as John uh, proclaimed in John chapter 1 and verse 29. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And this Jesus Christ came upon this earth and took all of the sins upon himself. He took all of the sin that you've ever committed, all of the bitterness, the fear, the anger, the lust, the, the anxiety, everything you've ever done. And He knows everything you've ever done. He knows every thought that you have had. He knows every word that you've said. He knows every action that you have taken. He knows everything that you've listened to, every place you've gone. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than anybody else, better than you know yourself. As the Bible says, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. You and I don't even understand how depraved we are apart from Christ. And yet Christ comes not to die for his friends, but to die for his enemies. Revelation, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth, has shows his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took all of your sin upon himself, and he paid the price for your sins and mine. He was buried. He, he was uh, there in that tomb for three days. But then after that three days, he rose again. Conquering death. Conquering sin. All oh, those that, when Christ came, they, I'm sure there were some followers that thought, oh, here's Christ, he's now here to rule on this earth. We are no longer under the authority and the, and the, uh, the rulership of, of the kings that are above us. But God didn't come to, to save them from the rulership of those authorities. No, he came to save them from the power of sin. Now sin, the, the, as uh, one song says, the, 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 the power of sin has now been canceled. Now the power of sin, O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? We don't have to, to live in this, uh, underneath the, uh, the, the uh, uh, authority of sin. Now, because of Christ, we can have new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So Christ came and he rose again that third day, conquering sin, conquering the grave. And the only way that you and I can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I thought, as I was a, a little boy, I thought, you know, if my good works outweighed my bad works, I would go to heaven. But even my good works, the Bible says, are as filthy rags compared to God's righteousness. And what am I going to do with, with the bad works that I have? Right, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so any man should boast. I thought for sure that, okay, if I, if I don't uh, pull my sister's hair, if I keep my room clean, if I do all those good things, I'm going to go to heaven. But I won't because of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 where it says it's not of my works. It's not of myself. It's only through Jesus Christ. You see, salvation is not earned. It's given. It's a gift. Now, just like a gift, uh, it's not something that you earn, that you worked for. It's not something that you paid for. Somebody else paid for it. Somebody else earned it. Somebody else worked uh, to, to get the, uh, the money to buy that gift for you. It's not something that you've earned. It's not something that you've worked for. It's a gift. It's given. In Romans chapter 6, and verse 23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
God wants to give you a gift. A gift that cannot be earned, cannot be worked for. No, Jesus Christ paid the price to be able to give you that gift. And that gift is eternal life through Christ. I remember that night as I realized that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And I, uh, and I went home and I asked my mom, is it true what the Bible says about these things? She says, yes, son, it is. And I was concerned about my soul. Where am I going to spend eternity? Even at five years old, I was concerned about my eternal destination. And we ought to be thinking about eternity. It's going to be here before we know it. And so uh, I remember that night I bowed my head and I said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I said, please forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me. And when I called upon Christ to save me, that whole weight of guilt and conviction just lifted up from me and a peace fled over my soul. And I remember running down the hall saying, Dad, Dad, I got saved, I got saved. I was so excited about my salvation. I remember that day. And I prayed a prayer, but I'm not trusting in a prayer. I'm not trusting in a memory. I'm trusting in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? Have you ever been reconciled to God? Do you know him as your savior? Has there been a time in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save you? We have peace with God, but then the peace of God. For those of us that have come to know Christ as our savior, times in our life we can testify this this day of, of how God has given us peace in the midst of some tremendous circumstances. He can give us peace in the midst of the storms. He can give us, as I've alluded to in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have a peace of God that, that uh, passes all understanding. Megan was witnessing to one of her coworkers several years ago, and at the end of it, her coworker said to her, it must bring such great comfort uh, to you to have a God like that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't know what, uh, what I may face in this life. I've had some trials. I've had some difficulties. But everything that I've ever faced, God's been greater. <laughs> anything I'll ever face in life, God's bigger than my circumstances. God's greater than anything that I'll ever face. And I can say that to every single person I've ever met who have gone through some tremendous tragedies, tremendous trials. God is greater than what you and I will ever face. Daniel in the lion's den, he was in a troubled situation. As he was cast into that lion's den and and his enemies thought, okay, we're going to get rid of Daniel, going to get rid of this righteousness and and, uh, throw him in the the lion's den and, and then he will be eaten and that will be the rest of Daniel. But Daniel wasn't eaten, was he? No, God saved and spared Daniel from the den of the lions. My grandmother, uh, my dad's mom, she passed away last year, but uh, she was a painter, among many other things. And she painted for many preachers a picture uh, that she found of Daniel in the lion's den. You see all the lions around, and, and there's Daniel. He's got his eyes up, uh, up uh, uh, looking up, and there's a light that's coming right down on him. And I asked my grandmother, I said, would you paint me one of those paintings? And so she did. When she handed me that painting, she says, now, Tim, I want you to notice where his focus is. His focus is not on all the lions. His focus is on God. And she says, as you go through life, remember that, that you've got to keep your focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why we don't have peace as as Christians? Because we're looking at all the lions, looking at all these other things. We don't have our focus upon Christ. Isaiah 26.3. 
that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, from the Lord Jehovah, his everlasting strength, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. There's a lack of peace in our life as Christians because we're looking at everything else instead of having our eyes upon Christ. Hebrews 2, or 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you, are you at peace with God and do you have the peace of God? If you don't have the peace of God this morning, where's your focus? Maybe it's time to get our eyes back upon Christ. Oh, there's so many distractions. We live in such a distracted society. And so we must purposely put our, our eyes upon Christ and look unto him again. He will give us that perfect peace. Closing. Heard of a story that uh, 1981, there was a, uh, a man who had stolen a car uh, Volkswagen Bug in Los Angeles. The owner of the vehicle immediately calls the police, calls 911, says, you've got to find this guy. You've got to find this car. Uh, police began to, uh, to, to scour the, the city trying to find this stolen car. And it was such a, there was so much urgency there that radio stations, uh, they asked them, would you please make some announcements to have whoever has stolen that Volkswagen Bug to pull over and turn himself in. Now, what this man did not understand, did not know, was that in that car, there were some crackers that were, that were poison. For the owner wanted to uh, use it as rat poison. And he feared that the man who was in that car would, would see those crackers and just think, oh, I'm going to go ahead and eat one of those crackers, and that it would kill him. Maybe this man thought, oh, the police are all after me. They want to stop me when, in essence, they were more concerned about his life than they were trying to get that car back. Often when we run from God, we feel like it's to escape his punishment. But what we are doing is eluding his rescue. For God sent not his son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Are you at peace? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.